Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Today, I'm here with my fellow North Carolina guy, Mike Riley who has grown a very impressive co-host business as well as purchased several properties of, of his own. Uh, so he is full-time, a formal, former Googler, Googly, right? Yeah, yeah, former Googler. Zoogler is what they call us. <laughs> and now, now full-time STR guy. So super excited for the episode today. We're going to talk about, you know, some, uh, some of the tailwinds that are helping folk right now in the co-host space, uh, specifically uh, at the demise of some of these big property managers such as Vacasa. And we're just going to get into a lot of the exciting things that are going on right now and allow Mike to share, you know, things he's learned in the last several years going from Google to being his own boss. So Mike, thank you so much for coming today. Yeah, man. Happy to be here, fellow North Carolinian. Yeah. And just, just for some context, guys, Mike did go to my rival high school. Uh, I think he only went for a year or two. So maybe I don't hold too much against you. Yeah. How to get but, out of uh, possible that's for sure yeah i don't think he liked it there so i mean I, I but i would say uh maybe, maybe we were rivals in in one lifetime but but now we are friends so <laughs> but yeah mike tell tell me about yourself other than you know, coming from north carolina uh give me your background and uh, also i want to get into after that i want to go into you know we can obviously talk about the good all day and, and you know the transformation that short-term rentals has had on your life but we also, you know, I like to talk about, you know, the bad, uh, you know, well, give us, give us your background. And then I, w- I would love to hear your Airbnb horror story. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So grew up in uh, North Raleigh and I played tennis. I mean, that was, that's pretty much all I did growing up. So like from the age of 12 until 22, that was pretty much all I did with that in my free time. So I uh, ended up playing tennis at Penn State, came back down to North Carolina, like as quickly as possible after I figured out I wasn't going to go pro in tennis. And so I just got a job in Raleigh doing tech sales uh, for one of the bigger companies in, uh, in the Raleigh area and ended up taking a new job about three years later in 2018 in Nashville, Tennessee, and was traveling all the time for that job. It was with an, another software company and I was making good money. I was probably 25 at the time, making really good money. And, but I knew there was something that, that needed to change kind of the direction of where my now wife and I were going. And so, you know, red, rich dad, poor dad, just like everybody else getting into this, this is probably mid, mid 2019 at this time. And, and so I was like, Hey, I got to find a, a different income stream and figure out like, you know, what I was doing. And I was actually getting into network marketing at the time. Somebody had, had sold me and talked talked me into getting into network marketing and me and my wife uh, talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. I'd like the, the get rich quick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Network so, marketing. I mean, the guy, the guy who like kind of got us in, he, he sold us on like the big picture of like being your own boss and like building your own business on the side and just doing it through, you know, being, he, he gave me, he was the one who actually gave me rich dad, poor dad, which is I this, thought was. Is, is network marketing the same as like affiliate marketing? Pretty much. It's like a pyramid scheme i mean at the end of the day it's kind of what it is it's like you you sell your stuff you sell the amway stuff and then you recruit more people and then you recruit more people and then they recruit more people sell stuff and, and then it, and it's it passive works. right yeah it's 
passive income is what they sell it as. And like there's, I got respect for people in that industry. There's a lot of people that, that make good money doing that. But my wife and I were like, this is not for us. Like, we don't want to be selling like skincare products and like, you know, toiletries and stuff like that to our friends. So ended up, I was like, all right, we got to do something else. Started listening to Bigger Pockets. And, uh, and then I was like, all right, I need to go down the long-term rental path. Like I need a hundred units in the next year, like the Joe Fairless stuff. And, and then I'm, I listened to a podcast with my buddy, John Farber and Mike Shogren. And Mike was talking about Airbnb. And that's something my wife could get behind. She was like, yeah, let's get a mountain house. Let's get one in Western North Carolina. So ended up uh, joining a mastermind, joining Mike's mastermind in late 2019. We bought our first property in April of 2020. We weren't even married yet, but really the whole goal and the whole why behind it was to get my wife to leave her job. And that first property that we bought is in Brevard, North Carolina. It was about seven hours from where we lived in Nashville at the time. And that thing, we bought it for 260,000 and it grossed 98,000 in the first year. So our eyes were like, oh, this, uh, this works. Airbnb stuff, this actually works. And this was during COVID when like people were like, oh, do we travel? Do we not travel? And so interest rates were 3% at the time. So we're like, all right, let's go buy another one. So we bought another one in my wife's hometown in, uh, in August. And then that got us to about 6K a month just in like six months. And so my wife was able to leave her job, do real estate full-time, run our business full-time. And, and that's when we were pretty much out of money and started co-hosting, started co-hosting for friends, family, telling everybody what we did. And then I, I made a job change to Google at the time, which was like my, you know, dream job in middle, yeah, mid 2020. And then had, had more of a realization there of like, I still have a boss. Yeah. I work for Google, but like, this is not what I want to do. Like I would look at my boss, my boss's boss and be like, man, they're like 40, 50 years old. And I, do not want to be doing that in 10, 20 years. So that's one of it full time, pretty much growing the co-hosting business. And now we, we own nine properties. We manage another 16 properties. So 25 total. And, uh, I got two guys that work for me that pretty much run 90% of the operations. And, and I play a lot of golf now. I'm always looking for new investments and, uh, I do some coaching as well. So that's, that's kind of the, uh, the shortened down three minute version of uh, of our story and guys we we had to reschedule this because mike is serious about the golf uh, <laughs> it's okay i forgive him for that too i'm not um, any good and I, I love the play got it so again this all sounds great you own nine properties seems like obviously you've ran the numbers and they're doing pretty well you've got your operations in a smooth place having two two full-time guys i'm assuming overseas virtual assistants yeah yeah they're in the philippines they both used to work for airbnb and yeah, just kind of trained them up on our systems and properties and they run the show. Yeah. It's actually because I, yeah, I have, I have 25 listings as well. And I have two, cause people ask like, what's the right number to have? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I need like a, to study every single person and see, you know, everyone's exact portfolio and to, yeah. I have two and it works, but so it's good to, it's reassuring that with the same number of listings, you have two, two team members as well, but okay. So yeah. So tell me about, you know, all this sounds good. Tell me about the bad. What's the worst, you know, or most horrific situation you've had in the last, uh, I guess, last three, four years? Yeah, I'll start with, uh, with a property that we bought. So we bought another property in Brevard in late 2020. Yeah, it was like we closed December 31st, 2020. And we bought it at that time. It, we got an, 
investment home loan, conventional loan for 2.8, yeah, 2.85%, which we Golly, seen, investment right? loan for 2.85. And crazy. it was, uh, it had a view. It was a, I think it was like a $300,000, maybe $360,000 house. I can't remember now. And we bought it from uh, for sale by owner.com. Like at that point in late 2020, there was nothing on the market. Like there was no new properties coming on. So like I found this one, I guess, technically off market, but like she just didn't want to use an agent to list it, the seller. And uh, her name was Gypsy Anna. And I found out that the house was cursed. <laughs> so not just by gypsy magic. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that was kind of a red flag at the beginning. I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna think about it. Ended up, we we moved into the house. We're getting it ready. Three days into it, the property is on a well, and the water there was no water in the house after like three days. We drained all of the water. We're supposed to get a hot tub in and everything. We were supposed to get up and running in like two weeks. We had to we had to dig an extra like six hundred feet just to hit water again. It was like an extra fifteen thousand dollars that uh, that I didn't plan or budget for. And at that time, like. I was pretty much drained in our savings account just to, you know, just to buy the property, just to put the 20% down to buy the property. So that took us, that took us about three weeks to fix. And, uh, and the lesson learned, I will always get a well inspection every time, uh, well and septic expansion, inspection on every property. So that was, that was kind of the first biggest, like, uh Oh, I know it's not an Airbnb story. I mean, I was, before we got on here, I was thinking about some and, you know, I've had, some properties flood, which, you know, really it's not too big of a deal. Like you got to get, you got to get the mold people in it. You're just out for like two weeks. But if you have the right insurance plan, you have the right damage protection plans, like you can get, get through a lot of that stuff. Like I've had AC go out, heat go out. I've had, you know, people claim that the property was, you know, infested with bugs and bees and stuff like that, but nothing like be too horrible. I did tell this on a podcast like two years ago. One of the houses that we bought here locally, where I live in Newburn, North Carolina, uh, we bought a four unit. And the next door neighbor, once they found out we were turning one of the units into Airbnb, cussed, cussed me and my wife, my pregnant wife out. And like told us that we were just get, doing a get rich quick scheme. Like we were making the neighborhood terrible. Like cussed us out three or four different occasions. And it ended up like we had... Like she was cussing out our guests too. They were coming into the house. So like that, that alone was the second property that we bought. I mean, we were kind of freaked out at that time. We were like, all right, do we need to pump the brakes on like, on doing this? If like everybody hates it. So ended up, took some advice from, uh, from actually my dad. He was like, you know what, you know what you need to do? You just need to print out a one pager of like who you guys are, what you do, who you serve. Because we we're, it was an Airbnb, but it was mainly for like traveling nurses and like for people that worked at the hospital. So all we did was print that out. We did a little a write up of what we do, gave it to her. And then we actually moved three doors down as well from her. So like she's still. Oh, so you, and like, you showed face. Yeah. I mean, we were see her all the time. And now she's like, oh, sweet. And all like, oh my gosh, like, let me see your kids. And they can call, I can babysit anytime. And we're like, absolutely not. <laughs> not with them. No, like I don't, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you, but, uh, but yeah, so that was, that was another thing that, that scared us off a little bit when we were getting into this early, but you know, I tell people, it's like, you can get through anything. It's just, 
if your why is strong enough, you can get through, you know, any Airbnb horror story that's there. Exactly. And yeah, it takes a little bit of, you know, a little bit of grit, you know, to get over those first situations. But I like to like compare it to, you know, let's compare it to your previous job. Is that I'm sure you got emails out of nowhere uh, that maybe didn't have curse words on them, but weren't the <laughs> weren't the kindest things, maybe a little bit more professional. Yeah. But, you know, how do you, you know, you showed face here. Uh, and that's what I always recommend to people. Show face to your neighbors, like show face early on uh, during, you know, if you're going to renovate the home or, or whatever, like make sure you're there. And, you know, if there's construction going on, let the neighbors know, tell them, hey, if you have any issues, like give us a holler. But that's really the best way to, to remedy neighbor issues. And like I definitely, you know, once you get up to, you know, one, two listings, not that profitable, but the more and more and more you do, like the chances just compound. Uh, but also it's kind of funny, the uh, the Western North Carolina well story. I literally have practically that exact same story. Uh, we bought one off market. Uh, it was actually on a, uh, on a, uh, a underground spring. So it wasn't on a well and the water pressure was terrible. Like, so we put in a pressure pump. We put mm -hmm. in a second holding tank because we were like, all right, you know, maybe it's not going to fill up fast enough. So we need two holding tanks because, you know, Airbnb guests are going to go through the water. They're going to take 40 minute showers. Yep. So we thought that that could do it. But then one, like actually about this time of year, I guess in Western NC, it goes from rainy season in the summer to like the dry season right now. I guess so about actually at this time last year, it just stopped, you know, it just no water was being replenished. And we had to literally had to get a service. Uh, we called there's not a lot of like water, because you know, this time of year is like the busiest time in Western NC, which actually I do want to get in a second how you're pacing in Western NC. Because uh, I'm curious, as someone who operates in the same region. But yeah, we had to like, I called like every possible place on Google to try to find like a like a, a a service that would fill our tanks our water tanks and i found like a fill pool like a service that literally fills pools out of Asheville, and begged them i'm like please please drive like this was like a three thousand dollar october booking like please come and like i'll pay you whatever just just come to fill our tank and the guy's like a seven-year-old guy like he came but then he had to go up a hill to get to the tank and he was like Hell no, nah. like I'm not walking up this hill to to fill the tank. Fortunately, the guests were really eager for the water, so they walked up the hill for him. And then, <laughs> as it turned out, somehow our cleaner's husband owned the local water delivery service. Uh, totally, and he owns like seven other random small businesses. And you know, he didn't advertise on Google. It purely, you know, kind of Western NC, that purely word of mouth, like no Google advertising. So. Fortunately, had him be able to come in, you know, over the next like three months because it takes a while to get a well permit. I don't know if you experienced that, but like they can't just come the next day and drill. And plus, like Western NC, I mean, I tell people like if you go to rural places, expect service providers to take longer for anything. But mm -hmm. they were the well service was also booked out months in advance and in addition to having to get a permit. So that was yeah, that was like every we literally put up we, we put a measuring gauge on our tank on our two tanks so we could see when they were full when they were not full in order to predict like how many times we would need to fill it in a week yep. so in hindsight that was like a really funny funny time but then we got the well and 
Good. you know, we, once you get the well at that point, like what can go wrong <laughs> as yeah. long as you dig just deep enough. But that's really funny that, you know, you know, we've had like very similar experiences there. Uh, yeah, we had, yeah, we had the ring camera looking at the holding tank for a while just to make sure that the, like the hold the tank was actually filling up. So, I was, oh, so it was above ground. Yeah. Yeah. So the holding tank was above ground. We had the one obviously in the ground, but then we had one above ground. So one. Yeah. And we had the ring camera. So I was like pulling it up all the time just to check on and make sure it was working. Yeah. That's actually, that's like, yeah, we should have put our second holding tank above ground. Cause we had to, sometimes we would lose service to the receptor that would tell us. So we'd be like, all right, we need to get someone over just to go and like open the tank and like look otherwise we have to pay like five hundred dollars to to fill it so we'd rather pay someone a hundred bucks just to go use their eyes yeah but and yeah so what tech is like is so behind for like hot tubs for whatever reason and for plumbing like the tech on like there are they're claiming this iot internet of things like we can put sensors on anything but for stuff like this which is so essential they're so behind so behind right now and compounded with probably not as good of internet service in yeah. Western North Carolina. Go so go. it's like sometimes the internet goes out too. So you can't do anything about that. Yeah. But, but tell me, how is your Western NC properties pacing? Cause we, we, so we got our proper, or uh, we have two in Western NC. One of them we got in uh, February of 2022, right as like rate hikes were about to happen. So when we started, they were going to uncouple the second home loan from like the primary home loan. Yep. So we, we were aggressive at that point in order to, you know, get a three point whatever percent interest rate, 10% down. And we actually like had a really great winter, like in incredibly good winter, uh, like very, very happy. And then this fall just hasn't been pacing as good as last fall uh for for us and yeah i was just wondering i haven't actually asked anyone else in the area what what they're seeing yeah uh so my place is i'm, I'm basically operating two different places there's brevard where i have four four properties and then in like the banner elk boone type area sure. properties up there that area up up like banner elk boone area is just way more well it's oh, okay. for me i haven't updated the properties in a while they're they're two properties that i that i manage or coast so they're not not mine that i own the one in Boone's still doing well. The one in Sugar Mountain area, you know, in 2020, 2021 even, it was crushing it. But now it's 2022, 2023. It's just the weeks aren't getting booked. The weekends are getting booked. And it's just, there's, everybody brought properties up there in that area. Yeah. Airbnb. So it's a lot more for my bedroom count. And then also for the design of the property, it just needs to be updated. Yeah. Uh, well, that area is not doing as well, but Brevard is still, I mean, year over year, we're pacing well. The only thing that has dropped off is uh, the lead ties. So people were booking, you know, in 2022 and especially 2020, 2021, they were booking two, three months in advance for my two bedroom and for my three bedroom. But right now it's 30 days. Like it's, it's shrunk. 30 days or less is my average for the uh the brevard properties so it's still looking good you know september is always light in the mountains just because people are going back to school but for whatever reason this month this past month was really good october is good as well november is good december's the, the rates are a little bit lower than they were last year that they're booking at but like nothing for january february right now got it okay and uh, yeah i just i asked this guys this was kind of personal uh, i want i want to know because because I have our property there and and just to, you know give some context 
you know, like we got this place for 429 and like it was pacing to hit 100K year over year, like based off last year's fall. And this year is, you know, January, February, March up until July. So I was super excited because that's, you know, an insane uh, and, you know, purchasing peak of prices in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I've had to kind of taper my expectations there. It won't be bad. You know, we might hit 88K or 90K or something, but not How big is the house? It's a, uh, it's a four, three and a half, but it sleeps 12. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my buy box. And actually, I'm curious kind of what your buy box is, but my buy box has always been, I like the multi-generational family travel, like put three families in a home, give them a game room. Uh, I guess what, what has, has yours been? Yeah, I, I've got two, two different. So one's the vacationer. And I think what a lot of people are seeing right now, and I'm seeing it as well for my five better places, the family, they're traveling on the weekends during the off season. In the summer, it's great. And then holidays is great. But the off season, so in Brevard, let's say September, October, January, February, March, the bigger properties that sleep 12 plus are getting booked during the week. So we've had to kind of pivot and offer like different listings for different guest counts. Oh my goodness. So you like offer a floor or something? (laughs) Yeah. So wow, that's interesting. My biggest property is a five bedroom. It's got the main house and then it's also got like a garage and then two rooms in that like garage house. So it's detached. So right now we have three listings, one for like the whole property, one for just like the main house, and then one just for the like garage house, just to maximize occupancy. So I've been telling people for the bigger houses, if you can do that, like create multiple listings for, you know, you can lock a bedroom off or something like that. So your cleaning fees are a little bit less, but for the bigger properties that aren't getting booked during the week right now, Try and figure out if there's a way that you can just block off a couple rooms or block off something so that you can up occupancy. And we only do that like 30 days in advance. We'll open up just the main house, which sleeps eight. And then two weeks in advance, we'll open up just the garage house, which sleeps four. So that way, you know, people aren't booking, you know, just the garage house like 90 days out. And then it just kind of ruins my entire week or weekend for for bigger, uh, bigger groups. So. That's my strategy right now, just for, just to combat that. But, uh, but overall, I think like Western North Carolina is growing. I think the property values are only going to grow as well mm-hmm. with everybody from the Northeast wanting to, to move down here. And Florida, um, a lot of Florida. Florida in Western North Carolina. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. So yeah, I, I call that strategy the duplex strategy. I've used it, you know, for for properties, there's actually an arbitrage duplex where I, I like I rent it and I, I list out the top floor and the bottom floor separately, but I also list them out together. And the reason I just my thought process behind there is just three listings versus versus one. So it just if you're searching, there's a higher probability that it's going to show up. So it's interesting that you've kind of taken that strategy, but you've you've created another use case for it. So yeah. definitely, and I'm curious the logistics of how you do it, but I'm sure you've got your two guys in the Philippines. Just they just they know it because I don't know of any automation software that'll open a new listing and close it. Uh, yeah. Maybe how do you? I'm curious. <laughs> maybe maybe, uh, maybe people listening aren't as interested as I am in terms of the the logistics of how you do that. Yeah, so this is part of the reason why I love Hospitable. I brought this use case up to them three months ago because I'm doing it manually right now. And they're actually building out a way to do this. You know how they've got like their parent-child listings. Now they're going to have like their grandparent-parent 
child listings, they're all going to be separate. So there's going to be a way to automate that through Hospitable going forward. They're finishing development on it, I think this week, and then I'm going to start testing it in a couple of weeks. So it's um, got it. Their parent child listings are relatively, relatively new too, because yeah. Airbnb had the parent child. And for my duplex, it was such a pain in the butt because like Airbnb would automatically block something, but then Hospitable wouldn't really understand what was going on there so hospitable wouldn't block it too so you double booking on verbo and now recently see i just like i don't even like i just like vas figure it out you know like uh so recently there's been other issues but now i'm going to tell them about this whole parent grandparent thing and <laughs> hope we can figure out. okay cool so that is interesting definitely taking some notes there and i use hospitable as well uh so something mike and i were talking about before the podcast uh like trends that we're seeing, you know, every time I talk to someone before, I was like, Hey, what are you seeing in the space? You know, what's interesting. And Mike talked about how he's seeing a lot of, um, a lot of homeowners, you know, who own their vacation homes, second homes going away from the Casa and Evolve, which are the big, you know, property managers that have thousands and thousands of listings across the country. So when have you seen this like trend start to accelerate? Why have you seen it? And, and what are you doing to kind of capitalize on this? Yeah. So everybody bought a, a second home, vacation home, really in the last two years. Like a lot of the high net worth people, they figured out one, there's great tax reasons for it. And then two, property values are still low and interest rates were low, right? Until the last like 12 months. So what did they do? They're like, all right, cool. This Airbnb thing, I can throw it on Airbnb. I can hire a property manager. And if you go into any market and Google, Property manager for Airbnb. They're running ads. <laughs> exactly. Who's got Evolve the balls and Mikasa are showing up at the top. Yep. And so Mikasa's, you know, claims, uh, they're more regionalized. So like they, what they did is they came in and bought up different realty groups all around the country that were running vacation rental, you know, programs and had hundreds of listings. And they went in, they bought those companies. And so that's kind of how they, they expanded. And so... They charge 30 to 35%. They claim that they do everything, but they have a very lean staff in almost all the markets. And a lot, they're having trouble like keeping staff and keeping people. So the vacation homeowners, they build relationships with the people. And then all of a sudden they turn over and they turn over and they turn over and like things go missing, things get damaged. And Vacasa's, you know, publicly traded. I think they're on the NASDAQ. They just did a reverse stock split because their stock was like I think like seven cents a share and they just did a reverse split. Now they're back into, um, back in okay standing with NASDAQ. But, uh, but anyways, they're, they're just, they're hurt and the, their clients feel the same way. So, you know, a lot of people are moving off of Vacasa for a lot of different reasons I just mentioned. And then Evolve is kind of like on the other side of it. You know, Vacasa says, we'll take care of everything. Evolve says, Hey, we'll only charge you 10%. But, you know, we'll take care of the permitting process for you and like, we'll do a front end marketing plan for you. We'll create your listing, we'll take the pictures for you, but you do everything else. Like you message the guests, you message the cleaners, you do all the damage protection. Like you do everything homeowner, but I'm only going to charge you 10%. And so like that 10% is really for nothing, honestly. Like it's, they, they give you a website. That's pretty much it. And uh, they don't like run ads. They don't market your property at all. They just take pictures and say good luck. 
So people are getting frustrated with Evolve as well, because one, they're t- paying 10%, but they're not doing anything either. So, you know, the homeowner is like, man, this is a lot of work and I'm supposed to be paying Evolve to do this. So that's, those are the pain points that I'm hearing. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm somebody who wants to grow a coasting business, what I'm, you know, looking at is like, all right, we're in the Vicasa properties in my market that fit my, what I call buy box, like the properties I would want to manage. So, you know, if you're in the Brevard market or even like I'm close to Atlantic Beach, North Carolina, I would look at every single property that Vicasa manages, every single property that Evolve manages, try and get the addresses for those properties and then the contact information for those owners and then start reaching out to those owners, whether it's email campaigns, text campaigns, like cold calling campaigns, because a lot of them are hurt. And that's something that I've seen. It's worked for me and it's worked for, I mean, dozens of people that I've coached and worked with on like, how do I, how do I grow a co-hosting business? It's like, this is the lowest hanging fruit. They're already short term rentals. Mm-hmm. There's the pain points are the same across the board. And there's just massive opportunity for you to come in and add value to, you know, these big, big companies. And I think my mentor said it, called it like two years ago when somebody asked him, hey, what do you see for the future of property management with Airbnb? And and I totally agree with him. He said, the big players in property management are going to get pushed out by the boutique short-term rental operators, the the professional hosts like you and I, because the big big guys just aren't going to be able to, to scale. And, you know, we, in order to run a good living with like 60, 70% profit margins for a coasting business, you don't need that many properties, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, you're making, you're definitely making six figures at 20 properties, right? So you get 50 properties, you're making 250 a year. And, you know, you got two guys, two VAs working for you. That's a pretty good living right there. And it's, it's relatively passive. I wouldn't say it's, it's like fully passive at all, like uh, a lot of people claim. But so that's that's what I've been seeing recently is like Evolve, Vacasa, they're falling off. There's low hanging fruit there to grow a uh, a coasting business, and a pretty simple way to do it too. And I think I think it's interesting the progression because Evolve and Vacasa bought the boutique property managers, uh, and they would buy them at like uh, four to five times, or four to five times like annual revenue. And now you can buy these same boutiques or not, not the same ones. I mean, they're definitely the M&A has, has slowed down, but mm-hmm. it's selling at like one to two times EBITDA. And then because, you know, the market has found that keeping the clients is difficult because a big part of the management aspect is the relationship with homeowners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not only serving the client or the guests, you are also keeping the homeowners happy. And sometimes it's like rational stuff oh, you know, I'm making less money than I made last year. Sometimes it's the homeowner who wants to vent about something and you're just going to talk to them, you know, versus, hey, like fill out this form here on vacasa.com to submit your complaints. So yeah, I've definitely seen in the co-host space, yeah, growing a 20, you know, 5, 10, 20 uh, co-host business, running great margins, but definitely getting up into like the multi-hundreds is extremely challenging. I mean, the same thing, same thing for arbitrage. Like, uh, it's it's extremely challenging to kind of get past. I mean, I, I said this the other day. I was like, I mean, I have, you know, I got superhost at, you know, I have 25 listings. Like the percentage of people who get superhost is small. The percentage of people who get superhost and have, you know, more than 10, 20 listings is 
extremely small. Yeah. Like it is, it is very challenging to keep. Yeah. Just like you said earlier, just even know, like, what do we have in the house? Like, what have we missed? What have we lost? You know, just kind of keeping that like attention to detail at scale, especially, you know, if you're doing co-hosting business, like it's hard to have them all like in one place, you know, especially if it's vacation rentals, like there's just not going to be, unless it's like, you know, a beach market in North Carolina or something. And you started 30, 40 years ago, like, and you're starting today, like you're, you're going to have to probably kind of spread out geographically and just take opportunities as they arise. And yeah, if you have seven properties in seven different places, it's just, it's challenging to know that every little thing is there all the time. So yeah, you're definitely, and, and I want to take this into, so, you know, you, you joined a community uh, in 2019 and now, and now you, you know, help lead the community as well. So I guess, how did that accelerate, you know, your growth and, uh, you know, what was that experience like for yourself? Yeah, I think, I mean, growing up playing tennis, you always had a coach, right? Like you always had somebody that had done what you want to do. Like you play basketball, right? You always had a coach and mm -hmm. that coach always played basketball and had success at, at a high level. So like I just did the same thing, you know, not after college, you know, and 99% of adults like don't have a mentor or a coach. And the ones that do are usually also on the 1% of earners as well. So that's one thing my, uh, my great uncle told me, he said, you know, whatever you want to do and whatever your passion is, if it's sales, like, you know, you're working at Google, like find a sales coach, find somebody who can push you and who can show you like, here's the next step. Here's the next phase of Mike. And so found that in short-term rentals. And I tell everybody like, whatever you want to do, if there's something that you're really passionate about, find a coach that has done what you want to do, hire them, pay them, whatever. Make sure you like resonate with them too. Cause that's honestly, one of the biggest things is like, work with somebody you, you like, and you like, you know, you can trust. Don't just like work with somebody that's, you just met. Right. Or so like throughout, throughout a, a super <laughs> um, flashy, you know, Instagram post or something. Or as like, you know, <laughs> right. doing ads on top of Ferraris and stuff or Rolls Royces. But, uh, but yeah, and it, it'll just accelerate your growth. And so same thing, I've got a golf coach. I've got a fitness coach as well. I've got a mindset coach. So it's just, it's just kind of the easy path to getting what I want. And, and so that's typically what I tell people. And now, you know, my mindset coach two years ago, she was like, Hey, if you had all the money in the bank, what would you enjoy doing? Like, what would you do on a daily basis, hour by hour? And I had to think about that for a long time. I still think about it a lot too. But at the end of the day, I was like, I'd spend most of my time helping people. I don't know what I would do, but I would spend most of my time helping people. Now that's what I do. You know, I help people find properties, grow co-hosting businesses, make it relatively passive for them and do shit that actually matters. So that's, uh, that's what I enjoy doing now. And also play a lot of golf. I got two little kids too. And I'm going to tell them the same thing. It's like, whatever your passion is, find a coach, work with them and surround yourself with other people too, that are doing this, you know? It's huge. I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, I would say someone who definitely for years, like pushed off, like kind of had the, oh, I can do everything like myself mentality. Uh, and definitely realized that that is not the way of thinking. I mean, you can, but like just what you don't know is going to be bigger than what you know. So someone who knows what you don't know is like the ultimate way to like 
fill in the gaps and, and figure out, you know, the puzzle of what you're doing. Also, like getting a coach in my way is like committing to something. So like there's so many things you can do on like a daily basis. Like for me, you know, and probably for both of us, like we have relatively passive uh, businesses, you know, like we probably have a lot of time to like choose what we want to do. And, you know, there's too many choices. So, but like when you just say, hey, this is something I want to do, I've got a coach. That's like, that is then committing, for me at least, that's like committing to doing it. And whether, you know, you pay them, you know, that's putting your money where your mouth is, or it's just accountability. There's like no better way to actually commit and decide and choose to actually do something and actually do it if, you know, unless you get someone there. Uh, to coach you for it. So I couldn't agree more. And then also just breaking back what you said earlier, I just want to circle. It is kind of funny what you said, uh, the, the Vacasa trend, because I actually had one of my, one of my, actually my first mentee ever, he just picked up like a duplex in Oak Isle that was previously managed by Vacasa. And uh, he said it was like the comp, the, the process of getting them to like send the bookings and like mm -hmm. send the money over was like such a complicated, a uh, slow process. So I guess I'm curious, yeah, if you pick up a Vacasa client, like is there is working with them or is that something you've seen, like working with Vacasa to get them to actually give over like the the keys, like pretty challenging? Yeah, it's it can be. In North Carolina, the state of North Carolina makes it a lot more challenging. There's a it's called the, the big the whole, uh, escrow, the escrow accounts. Well, it's called the well, that's a big piece of it too. But the North Carolina Vacation Rental Law Act or the Vacation Rental Act, it was done in like the eighties, basically says for six months, if, if the property owner cancels, you know, the contract or if for whatever reason, you know, the property sells or anything, the guest who books that stay, their booking has to get on it for six months. So when Bicasa can do is they can put them, put that booking in a similar listing of one of theirs or Bicasa can keep, they can keep it like there's a law in North Carolina for whatever reason that for six months they can keep it. So, and Vicasa is not going to like hand over bookings or anything like that because it's their client or whatever. But yeah, I had for six months, I had to work around their bookings. They wouldn't move any of their bookings. So I took over for a client for six months. I had to block the calendars. I had to make sure the property was clean and everything. Vicasa never responded. They did an awful job cleaning and just very, very difficult to get in touch with. And just it was the same issues that the property owner that I was working with was having previously and why he moved to me. But yeah, to sum it up, that vacation rental act makes it a lot more difficult. But then just like communicating with Vacasa to begin with is uh can be a huge pain. So And that's and that's why the owner went with you in the first place, is because of the communication issues which yeah. is interesting. So that essentially, at least in North Carolina, it's six months of pain <laughs> in yeah. order to, uh, to have everything then finally run smoothly and, and, you know, integrated into your systems. Yeah, 100%. Got it. So what are some other ways? So guys, if we're listening, we're looking to start a co-host property management business in 2023. And I, and I do tell people, because people ask me all the time, like, what's the best strategy? Or like, I get sent deals all the time. Like, is this a good deal? Is this a bad deal? And, you know, oh, this isn't the exact dollar amount or exact percentage that I need to make in order for this to like hit, hit what I need. And I'm like, all right, well, first of all, you know, there's definitely a lot of unknown. Like I can't perfectly predict numbers. Like, I don't know how you're going to operate the property. I don't know how you're going to design it. 
you're definitely, you know, there's a little bit of shooting off the hip in this game. But if you're worried, co-host. <laughs> like there's, like if you're worried, you know, it doesn't matter if you make another $100 or, you know, another $10,000 or lose $10,000 with co-hosting uh, because you're just taking a percentage of that top line revenue. There's no cost involved. So that being said, yeah, I guess, do you see co-hosting as like just the best, you know, best no risk way to get into the game in 2023? And then also, what are some tips you and tricks you have for folk looking to, you know, get their first co-host client? Yeah, for sure. I think it is. Like if, if you have one listing, it just makes it easier. Like if you own a property and you want to get into co-hosting, it just mm-hmm. makes it easier because you have proof concept. But, you know, to land the first co-hosting client, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You're going to have some sales skills or at least have some at-bats with clients. So typically what I tell people is like start with, like have your elevator pitch of what you do. Like what does your company do? And it can be as simple as like, I help investors two to three X, you know, their rental income through short-term rentals, like something like that. Or, hey, I help vacation homeowners manage their property and make more profit, like something like that. But go tell your family, friends, loved ones what you're doing. Start with people that know, like, and trust you. And just say, hey, I'm, I'm starting co-hosting a business. And essentially what that is, is I'm managing property for other people and running it as a short-term rental. The benefits are more revenue. And you also get personalized care from a boutique company like mine. We're going to help with listing optimization, pricing optimization, and revenue management, and make this as passive as we can for the homeowner. Something like that. And just like, see where those conversations take you. Call 10 family, friends, loved ones in two days. Check in with them. Hey, Jeremy, how things going, man? You, you're doing good. Like, what's new? You know, how was, how was Italy? You know, how was San Diego? Oh, that's cool. Okay, cool. And they're always going to ask you, well, how are you doing? And at that point, that's where, hey, I just started this new business. And then see, you know, if they're in real estate, great. Hey, do you have any, you know, long-term rentals? How's that going for you? You ever thought about Airbnb? Do you have any friends that do Airbnb? Like just open up a line of communication. And then a lot of the times they will refer you to, hey, I know, you know, Bobby's got a, Uncle Bobby's got a place at the beach or like, you know, there's a lake house that, that I've been looking at buying. Can you help me run the numbers for it? So. Start there, get your elevator pitch down, start with family, friends, loved ones. The Vicasa Evolve strategy is, is obviously really good. You can also look at Zillow listings that are for rent. Furnished mm-hmm. predominantly. Yeah, they're furnished. That, that definitely helps. And yeah, I mean, just pitch homeowners on it and get, get as many at-bats as you can. It's a numbers game at the end of the day, but it's also, you know, how dialed in do you have your, your pitch and your value proposition based on their pain points? Yeah. And I think I, I heard, I listened to, to your, your podcast. I think Mike, Mike, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I listened, I, I do my, I do my homework and uh, something that, that you said, that's, you know, also something that, that we do that's extremely helpful. And just saying, if you're looking for like a mentor in the short-term rental space, whether it be like arbitrage or co-hosting, I would definitely recommend this be one. I mean, this is probably the most valuable thing. Uh, if you have no listings and no experience, but like someone who's able to like lend their portfolio and credibility to you. So you can say, Hey, I worked with Mike or Mike, you know, might even hop on the call or Jeremy might even hop on the call and say, Hey, like, you know, I can vouch for this person that, you know, in a way helped, you know, me with, you know, these 25 listings that I have, or I don't know the way you exactly phrase it. Uh, but yeah, I guess, is that something you do? And that's something you've seen be helpful? Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I think it just adds credibility. So like people ask me to hop on, you know, client calls with them and I just help come in as an advisor. Yeah, just yeah. essentially just help help close the deal and bring some credibility. You know, Mike's got three hotels and 20 some properties. And then I'm, yeah, I got 20 some properties too. So I can come in and just be like, yeah, then they're following our systems and it's, you know, it's verified too. Like we've got many good reviews and property owners that work with us. So it's just a good way to leverage, leverage your network and just leverage the people around you to help grow a, a business. Exactly. And that, and that, yeah, getting that first listing, like, like just showing, being able to show listings. So like obviously showing your own is the best mm-hmm. way. So whether, however you get that first one, sometimes arbitrage, you know, getting that first one, it's a lot easier to get an arbitrage property because you're mm-hmm. effectively bribing the landlord. I mean, really you're, you're paying them. <laughs> so it's, that's the easiest human way there is to, to get something, you know, get a desired outcome is mm-hmm. to get someone money for it. So you're getting, maybe getting that first, or I've mentioned you get, get that first listing through arbitrage. And then, then they go the co-host route and they have like their properties to show for it. But if you don't have that, then like, you know, being creative and, you know, obviously not lying, but, you know, showing someone else's experience. So uh, mm-hmm. I saw I thought that was a really cool parallel. And I thought that, you know, that value there is like obscene. So, yeah, so we're we're hitting uh, the the time here. But what, what I want to get into is, you know, what is your big, you know, 2023, you know, uncertainty and all that. What is like your biggest like pro tip to help folk succeed, uh, you know, nowadays? I mean, I always tell people this, but be yourself. Like if you're, uh, if you're working with a guest or working with a homeowner or working with a lender, like don't try and be something different, like be yourself and just know that like the person that you're trying to be become, let's say you're trying to hit 10 K a month to leave your job. Like I was, we're trying to hit 20 K a month to be able to retire your, your spouse or even like retire your mom or something like that. Think about that person and like what your why is behind that and just be yourself. That's kind of the, the mindset shift of like, you don't have to be anything different than you are. You just have to step into that new, that new identity, that new person that you want to become. But you don't have to change your your morals, your ethics, or anything like that. I think a lot of people are are scared to step out of their comfort zone because they feel like, oh, what are people going to think of me? It's like they're still going to think of you well, and if not, like that's okay. They're probably not important to you. So be yourself. And then the other thing I'll say is uh, when you're when you're growing a a short-term rental business, keep your clients updated on what's going on in the market. So we touched on it a little bit earlier, like Vacas and Evolve, they don't communicate well with their property owners. But if you mm-hmm. can, what we do is we send out a quarterly report and I'm in six different markets. So I just do a two minute video of like, all right, here's, here's a quarterly report on Banner Elk. This is what I've seen. So we had a good, a good summer, not a great summer. Occupancy was down about 6% in the entire market. Your property was up 8% year over year. So that's good there. Here's what I see coming in the future. I see it's, you know, it's going to be a cold winter. Unlike it was last year, it was very hot. And so the ski slopes are going to be a lot better, more active. I think there's going to be a lot more people coming to the area. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to raise prices a little bit for right now and see what happens and just give them like a quick update. doesn't take very long. You got to do a little bit of research, which you probably should already know about your markets. And then if you deliver that once a quarter, you're going way more above and beyond any other property manager would. Um, that's my more tactical uh, tip for everybody out there going their short-term rental businesses. Gosh, and as you say these things, I have so many questions, but I want to be mindful of your time. With pricing, I was, I was wondering, do you use Price Labs? Yep. 
Yeah, I haven't checked out their new uh, algorithm yet, though. Got it, because, yeah, that's been, like, my thing the last few weeks is trying to get data points of who's... Because I actually uh, at I was at the uh, STR Nation conference in San Diego, and Price mm-hmm. Labs was there, and they were going through my listings, and, oh, have you considered the new local, or whatever it's called, like, local, uh, hyper-local algorithm? And I said, I have no idea what that is. And they showed me, and, like, it was actually kind of funny because they, they have a feature where they'll show you your pricing spec with their algorithm and like i do so many manual adjustments mm-hmm. that you know so then they looked at mine charted and it was like oh this is actually they're like damn this is actually pretty similar so and i and i you know maybe because i i don't know i was doing like the whole lot hyper local is like to essentially like uh the edge cases you know the big events mm-hmm. and whatnot uh to accurately you know reflect those because before it was like looking at a whole market and some event, you know, in Banner Elk might not drive dollars for my property in Silva. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It was, it was interesting there, but okay. When you find some people who have switched to it, let me know, or maybe I can have them on and we can just do a deep dive of the effect of that. Uh, but really Mike, thank you. I mean, this has been, this has been so great. Uh, how can folk find you uh, if they're interested in following your journey? Yeah, it's just at Mike Riley NC. Instagram, Twitter, those are probably NC, my baby. Favorite. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you go to college, by the way? I, I went to Penn State. I actually did. I did two years at UNCW. Played down there, and then uh, uh, transferred up to Penn State. Awesome. Well, we're gonna have to play uh, play tennis sometimes. I I did not play in college, but I uh, I played growing up. So maybe uh, maybe next time I'm I'm in the Newburn area, we'll definitely have to. I can't play golf as well as you, so but may, maybe I could uh, rally a little bit in tennis. Well, you can kick my butt in basketball, man. Hey, all right, let's let's do it. But awesome, mate, uh, Mike. Thanks so much for coming today, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Awesome, guys. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed today's episode. Stay tuned for next time. This is the Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Short Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.